With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the On My Mind podcast, episode four. Today's episode is a little bit different, but very exciting because we have our very first guest. When I was thinking about who I wanted to come on the podcast, I think about people who will have a big impact for everyone listening, people who have unique backgrounds, cool stories, and knowledge to share. So who better than my very own sister, Kayla Jules, to have on as On My Mind's first guest. Kayla is a 24-year-old who moved all the way to New York City straight out of high school to pursue her childhood dreams of being on stage. She's traveled the world with West Side Story, has been in countless shows, and currently works as a trainer at The Limit in New York City. Not only does she have a super unique life experience, she's also an educated queen who's certified in integrative nutrition, health coaching, a specialist in prenatal and postnatal woman and is a NASM certified personal trainer and corrective exercise specialist. She truly embodies fearlessness, drive, determination, and knowledge, and she's the one person I look up to most in this world. I can't wait for you to hear all her thoughts. Let's welcome Kayla to On My Mind. So you just got married to your high school boyfriend. How's that been? It's been the best. I love him so much, and I'm so happy to be married finally. Two weeks in, and I'm loving it. You were dating for eight years. Yeah. (laughs) Eight years. Do you want to explain why you waited? I always wanted to be married, like, even in high school. Like, when I I met him at 16, I was like, we can get married tomorrow, and I wouldn't care. Obviously, you know, we'd wait till at least 18. I wasn't even really, honestly, like, thinking about it in a real sense, because I left Hawaii and he was still here, so it wouldn't, you know, make sense to obviously be married, because we'd be apart anyway and then ended up doing long distance for four and a half years once he moved to new york i don't know we're busy and i we both wanted it but weren't taking the steps to do it until last year when i was like it's time i made an appointment for us to go look for an engagement ring and he was like okay (laughs) we love a woman who takes charge yeah i literally made the (laughs) yeah and then i was i was like we're going tomorrow he was like oh okay great (laughs) yeah that's funny because i feel like in my relationship with connor i'm always the one who plans things but he happily goes along with it which i feel like is a good dynamic because if you have two people who don't do anything, nothing gets done. But if one person likes to take initiative. Absolutely. It's from mom. Yeah. <laughs> On the relationship note, do you have any long distance tips for people listening? Because you guys did long distance for years. Mm-hmm. And I feel like everyone's always searching for the answers of how to make it work. How do you know if you want to make it work with this person? I'd love for you to elaborate. You know, and it's funny because I was all over the world in different time zones. We didn't even talk every day. I mean, sometimes we did, but sometimes I wouldn't talk to him for two days other than like a hello or I miss you text. I don't know. I think it depends. I always knew Cody was the one and I never ever for one second had a doubt that he was even like meeting people all over the world. But on my tour, I actually, I only remember this now, but we were the only couple going in. You know, obviously he wasn't on the tour, but we were the only couple going in that came out on the other side. A lot of people went in with relationships, you know, in New York or wherever they were coming out from. As far as advice goes, 
honestly, you could stay together and you could not. It just depends. You have to work, make time for phone calls. But if it doesn't happen and they don't answer you right away, just don't get stressed and angry. If you need to talk to the other person all the time, it's not going to work. You just can't be so attached. Like you have to be okay with both of you living your own life and you have to be okay. Like I didn't love when I would hear that he was hanging out with his friends. Like I would definitely get jealous. But then on the other side, like I'm in who knows where Europe hanging out and doing shows and stuff so you have to be europe men right no i literally (laughs) never looked at anyone else or like thought about it at all wow no window shopping Mm -mm. interesting but you just have to allow each other i think to be individuals and live your own lives but still love each other and make time to connect that's funny that you say that because i feel like if you spend the whole long distance thing in a positive light it can actually be such a good time for you to invest in yourself because usually when you get into a relationship, your whole life becomes that other person. So I feel like you still get some of the benefits Mm -hmm. of being in a relationship. You can also be independent, which is so important. And I think everyone needs to have their own individuality in a relationship. So that's good that you found that. You know, of course it sucked. Like it just, it sucks to not be with your person, but then, and you can attest to this too, because obviously you were at the wedding, like maid of honor and have been with me my whole life your whole life like now that we got married what a special story we have and like you can just everyone is so invested in us our families and our friends and to know that we've been together since high school did long distance for almost five years and then now live in new york together is just like such i'm like so fond of our story true love exists everyone yeah so speaking of long distance we've got to talk about how you ended up in New York, your whole story with that. So I'd love for you to tell everyone where you started, how this whole dream of being on stage grew from being a child and where it led you through your teenage years and your adulthood. I always love to perform. Like I did ballet since I was three consistently and tried other things, but really just loved ballet and being on stage and performing. Always would put on like private shows in my room to myself, you know, occasionally me yeah yeah sometimes we did do performances a quarter piece anyway yes for every holiday Ava and I would put together this big show I would like choreograph and she would kind of you know just follow along and do whatever we'd have costumes and then we would make posters on like printer paper with like markers and stuff advertising the show around the house to our two parents okay marketing yeah (laughs) literally marketing we were doing advertising and then we would charge our family when they would come over for whatever easter brunch or christmas day lunch whatever holiday it was we would charge them a quarter to see the show in the living room per love it it was so fun (laughs) we had so much fun. fun and then i was only doing classical ballet until high school like I really wasn't versed in any other style wasn't interested I started to get tired doing the nutcracker I was like (laughs) if I'm a snowflake one more time I was like I can't I can't the ballet girlies listening to this if you get it you get it you get it yeah Yeah, you know I just was a flower already and I already did some of the variations in the second act and then I remember I don't know how I found out but I found out my school my public high school you know I was a sophomore in high school at the time was doing a production of The Sound of Music and I was like okay I mean I'll try I'll try this at least I can it's something different I'll still be able to perform but in my mind theater was kind of a joke any of you do ballet like grew up doing ballet listening to this or do ballet currently you kind of I think are in this mindset for a long time that it's like ballet or nothing. Ballet is strict training and classical and nothing else, nothing, no other style matters or is important, which is, isn't true. You know, as I got older, I realized that. But anyway, auditioned, even just in the audition before I knew I got it, I was like, oh, I love this. I, I don't know what I sang and I got to, you know, dance a little choreo. Um, and then I got Liesl who sings the, I 
am 16 going on and i would you like to perform that now Mm -mm. okay (laughs) for a quarter (laughs) for a quarter (laughs) i loved it i loved being on stage theater is just so fun like i i'll definitely put my kids in theater one day it's just it's so fun to do shows and the rehearsal process you just like mess around you know and did a couple more shows you know my last remaining years in hawaii in high school and then i left and i was bye i said bye i was i left when i was 18 i spent the summer here and then i went to new york i was supposed to go to my parents really wanted me to go to school and i didn't want to i auditioned for some to kind of just make them happy and explore options because i didn't know you know it's it was pretty scary and then i ended up getting accepted to all the ones i wanted to go to really Mm -hmm. i didn't know that yeah yeah except for one who shall remain unnamed (laughs) and i remember looking at my acceptance letter to like my number two choice i didn't get into my number one and i was just like no i'm not i know i'm not supposed to do this like i know i'm ready as far as i know to just try it i don't want to do the school college arts thing Throughout high school, before you found theater, did you ever picture yourself going to college or was that never something that really crossed your mind? Really? No. I didn't think about school at all, actually. It didn't interest me. I just knew I wanted to move to New York. Did you ever experience any self-doubt along with that because your path was not similar to a lot of the people around you? No. Once I got to New York... Then I was like, oh, there are a lot of really good people around me. So I felt like I had to step up. And I was like, I think I have something special. I knew I was good. And I was really confident in my ability to move to New York. I didn't really know what that meant. And I don't think you know what moving out means until you do it, especially to a place like New York, which is crazy in the best, messiest, most beautiful way. (laughs) No, I didn't doubt myself. That came a little later. Honestly, I had no self-doubt in my life ever until my like eating and body image stuff started, but never with my talent. But that, that, that in my body eating stuff then seeped into every other part of my life. Yeah, and it affected everything Mm -hmm. else. We'll definitely get into that later. But I wanted to ask you, because I know there's people out there who are listening who have really big dreams. Maybe college isn't in their route, but their parents don't support them in that. Do you have any insight on that whole situation? Because it can obviously be so hard. And I know you kind of had a similar situation to that. Obviously, our parents supported us not going to a bricks and mortar school and taking that path. But you definitely paved the way. You paved the way for me because I know you went through the trenches convincing them to move to New York. So to anyone listening who kind of feels like they have a path that's different than the normal college route what do you have to say to them i really fought for it they i knew they would support me but i just wanted also them to like be on my side and it was never a question of them believing in me at all because i knew that they believed in my talent and loves that i was so confident in myself i think just as a parent it's just scary i had no fear and i had these sugar-coated dreams that not sugar-coated dream, sugar-coated vision of like, you know, I think every kid, because you see it in movies, like you move to the city, you move into this beautiful apartment, you book a show right away, you know, and obviously that that didn't happen. It happens for some people, but um, it's just scary for them as parents to like let me go that far. My advice to anyone in a similar situation with whatever career you're following, but especially theater because the arts are so unstable, you know, and you don't really have job stability, but anyway, is just to fight for what you want because at the end of the day, it's your life. Looking back, even though it was really hard having the conversations with them about it, you got to fight for it and you be persistent. Let yourself, you know, cry in front of them and express how badly you want it and what it means to you. And if you believe in yourself enough, you can do it. Still going to be hard for sure. And you'll cry more later when you're there and, you know, lonely and figuring out adult life on your own. Just do it. 
just do it. The only way you learn, because I've heard this from friends that have gone to universities, you just got to be in it, be in the audition scene and figure it out as you go. Because they'll teach you a little bit of it. And if you do a program or school, you just got to be in the trenches and like in the dirtiness of auditioning and waking up early and learning all that just as you go, which is scary. That must have been crazy for you because I feel like the whole being on Broadway or being whatever in the arts is so romanticized. And I feel like you definitely had this like pretty sparkly vision of it. And for you to go through that and realize, oh, this is actually really hard. That must have been crazy. What was the hardest part for you moving out at 18 and literally going across the ocean, across the country and being away from your family? At the time, I don't remember being anything but confident in myself. You know, once I got there and was settling in, especially after the program I did when my first audition season started, I was living with like three random people, you know, because in New York you sublet that I didn't know, figuring out adult life, how to live with other people and audition. That was, that was hard. Living alone in a sense, was hard for me. Even though I had roommates, it's still a, an artist's life is quite lonely. If you know, you know. It's crazy how you've experienced the roommate lifestyle, especially in New York City and subletting with people you have no idea who they are. And I feel like I'd love for you to talk about that because I've never had that experience. And I probably won't because I only live alone right now. And the only person I probably would move in with is a future boyfriend. What was like your craziest roommate story or any crazy, weird, odd experiences you had with that? So I was living up in Harlem, 145th in St. Nick. You know, you know, it's not my favorite situation, but it's funny now. Starting out in New York, you know, get a cheap place with some mm-hmm. some randos, and that's just what everyone does and did. Right. It's yeah. That's the reality, and I feel like especially because I see so many people on TikTok moving to New York City for the first time, and they're in these dream apartments. I love that you have like a very true experience of what it's really like to move to New York. You don't have a ton of money. You're kind of just figuring it out along the way. So I like that you have that. Five floor walk up. Mm. Bless walk ups. You're schlepping your mattress, dressers, you know, all the things. Anyway, so I have two stories from the same place. One is about when I almost set my apartment on fire. <laughs> and then one's actually about a roommate just because I want to talk about it. I wanted to make chicken for the first time in the oven, like baked chicken. I think I was making some pasta or something, you know. Adulthood. Adulthood. Asked my mom what to do. Did Mm -hmm. everything, prepped it. It's in the oven. I go in my room, which was down, like literally on the other end of the apartment. It was like a long, skinny apartment. Kitchen was in the very front by the front door. And I started to smell smoke. And I opened my door. The top half of the room, so from halfway in the air to the ceiling, was thick, black, gray smoke. And I freaked out, ran into the kitchen, and the stove is like up in flames. And I was like, what the heck do I do? Were you alone? You're like, my roommate was sleeping. Yes, I was alone. Yeah, I was alone. And so I was like, I guess I I need a fire extinguisher. This is like an actual fire, like flames. So I ran down to whatever floor my my super was on, knocked on the door. I was like, yeah, there's a fire, fire. And he didn't understand English. (laughs) You know, most people in New York, especially up there, like only speak Spanish or very broken English. He didn't understand what I was saying. His wife and his kids were all at the door, like trying, and I was like, fuego, fuego. (laughs) Finally, he gave me a fire extinguisher. I ran back upstairs and extinguished the fire. So Ava, when you share your stories of like things that happen, you know, happen while you're learning to cook on your own I'm like yeah Yeah. I can relate back to the roommate thing sorry for that random tangent he was only there for like two months like a performer that was in and out and he never threw anything away so he'd Mm. get takeout uh dirty dishes he would leave them in the sink the takeout boxes would stay on the counter my other roommate Casey and I and Casey and I lived there separate rooms but the whole you know four months that I, I lived there which in the moment seems like 
years that I lived in that freaking apartment. Because it didn't feel like home. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it just felt like I was there for so long, but it was only four months, which is so fast. Anyway, so we we just got so fed up one day. He was still sleeping one morning. We took all his things and we put them in trash bags at first and then dumped them outside of his door, which is maybe shady. I'm like, I'm seeing a new side of you. We're not going to say anything about it. We're just going to dump all his trash in front of his door so that when he wakes up in the morning and opens the door, he sees it. If I remember this correctly, he cleans it up. I think I had left or something. But when I got back home or next time I saw his door, there was no trash and we never spoke of it. If you were to handle that in an adult way, because I know a lot of people struggle with roommates, you know, boundaries and stuff and how to approach different issues with them. How do you think you would have handled that now? Oh, I would I would just be honest. Like, hey, this is a shared space. If you could clean up after yourself, I'd really appreciate it. Like, do your dishes when it's when you're done with them and stuff like that. It's so scary to assert yourself. I think especially as like a woman right. sometimes like that. But it's just an adult. It's not being mean or a bitch or anything, but that's how it gets seen sometimes. You just you're just saying what you want and that's being clean and yeah. <laughs> yeah it's crazy because when a man asserts himself people are like oh wow he's powerful but then when a woman does you're a bitch mm-hmm. you know what start standing up for yourself ladies because you deserve to be heard and seen and no 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 more of that but that's crazy i think it's just a part of navigating life with yeah. roommates don't ever ava you, you just live by yourself <laughs> yeah you just live by yourself but it's a part part of it yeah and there's so many parts to life and growing up and figuring out that whole thing how to navigate it and with most phases we go through in life it can bring a lot of stress this podcast is sponsored by better help i'm a big believer in therapy it helps so many people and it has really helped me in the past too i know stress is something a lot of us struggle with on the daily and people don't always realize that physical symptoms like headaches, teeth grinding, and even digestive issues can be indicators of stress. Just like everyone else, I deal with stress and I feel like it's kind of an inevitable part of life. You can't really avoid stress and for me, sometimes it'll show up in eating less or bad sleep. Stress affects everyone so differently. For some people, it might hit them harder than others. It can be really hard to handle on your own sometimes, but therapy can offer great guidance in stressful and confusing times. Kayla and I have both had really positive positive experiences with therapy in the past and we're definitely big advocates for it. It's so nice to have someone to listen to you, to offer you help, guidance, advice, and I think anyone in any stage of life could greatly benefit from therapy if they're open to it and with BetterHelp, it's now more accessible than ever. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy so give it a try and see if online therapy can help lower your stress. On My Mind listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash mind. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash mind for 10% off your first month. Definitely go check it out. There's so much I want to talk about with you because I feel like you have a lot of things to say on a lot of things that you've been through that I don't know, I think people need to hear. But before I get into that, I have one more question about New York City. You were talking about how there's this sparkly idealized version of it what is the truth I guess in a way and I know everyone has to figure it out for themselves on their own time but I'd love for you to elaborate on what you realized after living there for a little bit versus what you initially thought going into it New York is about gritty hard work hitting the pavement there's really nothing glamorous about it like yeah you have fun dinners and great restaurants and there are days in the summer not in the summer in the spring and fall when you're like oh, I love New York. There's like 
perfect crispy weather. But New York, I mean, it's very, it seems glamorous. New York City, you know, and there are aspects of it that are. But overall, it's about hard work. Being hot, waiting for the subway, on your way to work, exhausted coming home late at night. That's what it is. Like everyone's there to work really hard. Even if you're, you know, the businessmen, finance guys working in a skyscraper, like they're up at four, they're not home till later, which, you know, is another conversation that I don't want to live my whole life with that like sunrise to sunset lifestyle. But the opportunities in New York and the people you'll meet are insane. I mean, it's it's inspiring to live there. And I you hate it at the same time because you're waiting, you know, for the train sometimes for 40 minutes on the weekend because the express is broken or whatever it's gritty with like dirt but it's also gritty with like some like sparkle a little bit of diamonds in there yeah and as kim kardashian once said get your ass up and work it seems like nobody wants to work these days look i don't know why she's saying that anyway i just thought i thought i'd throw that in there <laughs> i can't stop thinking about that every time i'm like lazy to do something we gotta listen to kim k get your ass up and work you gotta work hard it's not comfortable Mm. did you experience a lot of uncomfortableness adjusting to the new york lifestyle versus hawaii because those are polar opposites polar opposites the only thing that really affected me was winter Mm -hmm. because we grew up in the sun here so i was now i know i was really vitamin d deficient which is why i was sick and very in a like a dark mood literally my whole winter i felt like there was a a gray storm cloud over my head. You've been there for so long. What is it? Seven, eight years. We'll talk a little bit later about how your dreams have shifted, but I think we need to go to the root of your dreams starting to come to life. And that's when you went on tour with West Side Story. I am so sorry. I will brag about this any chance I get because that was, it's crazy because to me, that is the coolest thing ever. But I know for you, it brought a lot of darkness, but mm -hmm. obviously me on the outside, I only see, oh, she's traveling around the world. She's living her dream life, getting to meet all these people, go to different countries. How did that opportunity come? And I know that it brought a lot of darkness for you if you feel comfortable sharing with people what you went through during this time i think a lot of people would really benefit from hearing about it yeah so it was just another audition the 10 month it still was a 10 month tour ended up being 15 later but it was advertised as a 10 month world tour of west side story and i was like oh that's too long mm. like i was like that's a lifetime so you weren't initially intrigued by it mm -mm. okay i love the, the show anyway but i still went because you know i was like i'm just gonna audition i remember in the audition i was like oh i got it and now I'm going to have to decide, like, I'm going to do a 10-month tour. Booked it. Which this was, was like your first big break, right? Yeah. So I had, this was actually such a blessing really early into my first audition season. I had already booked a little summer stock gig in North Carolina. We were doing a production of Chicago. And then like a month after I left on tour. But that's how I got it. We were what, 19 at the time? Yeah, I was 19. Wow. 18 when I got it, 19 when I left. I don't know why you seemed so old to me at the time. I was like, oh, she's fully an adult. Maybe it's because you had lived away from home well, for a I while. Well, I felt like a grown woman. Right. But looking back now, I'm like, Oh, poor little girl. Right. <laughs> poor thing. I know you went through a lot on that trip. When, what happened? When did, I'll let you elaborate. When did these issues start? Feel free to share anything that you want. Yeah. So my body, it started with the body image. This was in audition season. I don't know. It was before or after I auditioned for the show, but it was winter up in that apartment in Harlem. I don't remember how it came about. I'm sure I had had some influence from seeing stuff in the media. I don't know. I don't even feel like any of it came from pressures from the actual dance or theater world because I was confident in my body and my talent in general. But one day, all I remember 
as the starting point of my body image and eating issues was that one day I woke up and like took off all my clothes, my pajamas, and like stood in front of my, the full length mirror that was in my bedroom, like completely naked. And I just started crying because I hated the way I looked. Had this ever happened prior to this experience Not of like examining your body like that? No. It's so weird thinking back because I don't remember I don't remember a pattern of anything building up to that point. It was just like an abrupt hatred of what I looked like. I'd never done that before. I mean, growing up in ballet, and I was petite, but I was a lot around a lot of girls that I could see their hip bones sticking out of their, you know, tights and leotard. I could see they were very thin. Their collarbones were like protruding. And I remember I was like, oh it'd be nice to like look like that because that's what ballerinas look like but it never affected me that I'd stopped eating or would judge my body I was like oh wow they're really really thin and I thought that was what you're supposed to look like I always had just like a bigger build of muscles on my legs and stuff one of my ballet teachers once said I had thunder thighs and never ever to do a squat and now here she is a track star a strong queen she has striations if you don't know what that means her (laughs) muscles basically form a trident because she's so strong and I love that about you oh thank you but um (laughs) What were we talking about? Oh, so I hated my body. <laughs> looking yes. in the mirror, crying. Like spent time looking at every single little curve and dimple. Folding over so I could see my rolls. Spreading my legs apart so I could like give myself a thigh gap. And from there, the only logical explanation in my head was to like just severely restrict my food. That's how you get skinny. You know, that's how I want. I wanted to be skinny. As strong was it in my vocabulary. So that's how it started. I started out with, I think probably the first restrictive diet I did was counting calories and cutting carbs. I remember I would only make like pep grill or uh, sauteed peppers and onions for dinner, which is nothing with like a little olive oil because I was scared of oil because that's fat, you know, quote unquote. I'm using air quotes because olive oil is awesome for you and you use a ton when you're cooking or else you're... Yeah. Anyway, the food will stick to the pan and that's annoying. Right. <laughs> but and it's good we'll, for you. We'll talk about your advice and yeah. your knowledge now later, but yeah, yeah continue well, with that story. Anyway, that's how it started and it just progressively got worse as I started researching ways to get a six pack and I just wanted to be skinny and it just became very obsessive. Like I was obsessed with counting, you know, the nutrition label, which is like obsolete and not accurate. Um, that's, you know, a di- for a different time. On Twitter, or I think it was the added stress. So that was also my first time out of the country. Having that already swirling and then added, you know, eight hour rehearsal days and not having no control over what I ate because I'm at the mercy of the hotel that we're staying in. That's when it got really bad. And I actually remember we were in rehearsals getting ready to go out to our first city we were opening in. I somehow learned the word binge. Mm. And once I had a vocabulary for it, that's when it got bad. That's when I was like, oh, I'm, I'm having a binge right now. And I would do like the binge restrict. And then through the next whatever year, almost a year and a half of touring, it was it was really bad. I was very unhappy in that way. Yeah, I bet you felt really alone in that too. Did you open up to anyone about that at the time? I didn't open up until I hadn't had my period for a year. So mm. the first month of tour, which was auditioning, I mean, um, sorry, rehearsing, my period stopped. Didn't obviously know at the time I didn't have it for three years. So once I didn't have my period for a year, year I was like I think something's wrong then I told I think I told mom and the next time I came home on a layoff we went like to the doctor or we talked about it more and were you vegan at this point no I I wasn't vegan until later in the tour I remember that became kind of an identity for you oh my gosh how did that even start like what introduced you to that what you know 
I saw people on YouTube posting how I healed my eating disorder mm. and it was going vegan. And I was like, great. I was just desperate. I just wanted it to end. I wanted to be happy eating. It seemed like this beautiful way of, you know, and it is one, you know, if, if that's your conviction to not want to eat animals, then that's totally fine. But for me, and I think for a lot of people that shared th those videos and they didn't know, there's a lot of pressure to share what you think works for you prematurely, I think, online, on Instagram and YouTube and stuff. It's just another form of control, very controlling. And I found my identity in that because I there I had no identity in nothing else. Right, you're just grabbing at whatever you thought could help you. Yeah, like literally just desperate for something to make the swirl the constant tornado of thoughts and like in my mind stop but i was vegan for a year do you think you did it in a healthy way no oh not at all it was still very well the thing about what they t said about veganism like in the videos was that i could eat in abundance because i wasn't eating animals or and stuff i was like oh great but i, I was still over i was still wasn't eating what my body actually needed i can't blame the, the people whose videos i watched because Everyone's allowed to share what they want. Right. I probably should have been speaking to a nutritionist, but I mean, I'm 19. I'm not going to talk to anyone in a professional sense like that. But it was it was all about control. You know, I felt like I had control over what I was eating and stuff. Listening to your body and cravings is really important, but sometimes you don't have the time or energy to cook your own meals. That's why HelloFresh is such a great meal kit service with farm fresh, pre-proportioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can pick your favorites from 50 different weekly options and skip weeks when you need, change your delivery date, or update your preferences all in the HelloFresh app. Unfortunately, I'm unable to get HelloFresh in Hawaii, but you bet if I could, I would be having HelloFresh pretty often. I have so many friends on the mainland who love and adore HelloFresh. I've heard such great things about the quality of their food, how much time it saved people, and I think especially when you're growing up and still learning how to find your way in the kitchen, it's really nice to have meals for me, that aren't just pasta, because that's kind of all I know how to make. But with HelloFresh, you can customize your favorite dishes with their new Hello Custom offerings by swapping out one protein or side for another, upgrading for more luxe experience, or even adding protein to a veggie meal. That means more choices, more variety, and more meals truly tailored to you, which is amazing because we all have different tastes and preferences in what we eat. If you have a super busy lifestyle like me, this is the perfect way to save time in the kitchen while also having a delicious and nutritious meal. Go to hellofresh.com slash mind16 and use code mind16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's hellofresh.com slash mind16. Use code mind16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. Go give it a try. You said this all started. It stemmed from wanting to be skinny. Did you notice that change at all? I wasn't my skinniest when I first lost my period and I was just kind of doing the binge restrict, eating everything, but just not eating a lot throughout the rehearsal day. And I was like, wow, I'm doing it today. And then of course at dinner, I'm like, ah, and right. just way overeating, which I would feel so much shame and guilt for. But now I'm like, my body was just desperate for energy. So it's trying to, at, in a sm short period of time, make up for all the energy I didn't intake during the day. There was this one time, it was Christmas time. So I was missing my, you know, missing you guys and my first Christmas away from home. I had just binged the whole box of goodies you guys had sent all the way from Hawaii mm -hmm. to somewhere in Germany. Literally ate everything, like all, and I was just so sick. I was so incredibly full but I couldn't stop. So I like walked by myself literally at midnight to the nearest Burger King or McDonald's 
and ordered like a couple burgers and fries and a shake. And I remember just crying in there by myself, like physically could not stop myself from eating, even though I was on the verge of like, my stomach was going to explode. Like I was so bloated. I just couldn't stop. So, but that's mental. Cause I was depriving my, it's just crazy. Like it's really sad. It's really, really hard. But I'm on tour with West Side Story. Right. And that's <laughs> you know, what the people glamorous. see. It's like, oh, I'm in Germany. Yeah. yeah. I was really thin and very pale. But were you happy? No. And that's crazy because that's what you thought was the fix. Here's here's what I say to people. Tour was not the lifestyle for me. I have a lot of friends that thrive on tours for their whole career. They're just like nomads. They can pick up and move around. Touring is not the lifestyle for me. I have incredible incredible memories moments from the tour you know I'm so grateful that it happened even though it was really sad and difficult most of the time but I do have such awesome memories and I'm so grateful I got to travel like that some of the best moments of my life are adventures I did while I was on tour like in New Zealand and in Thailand and all these awesome you know seeing Tutu and Grandpa Ralph in Paris it's just is so many awesome moments but truthfully overall it was horrible for me and when did all this start to heal was it a did something trigger you to be like, holy shit, this doesn't feel good? Or what kind of led you to start healing your mind and your eating habits? Around the year mark of not having my period, because I was just getting worried that I was like, look, even though I was proud of myself for not having it, because that meant I was skinny enough. She put air quotes around that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I still knew that something's wrong because you're supposed to have a period. Honestly, the first thing that really motivated me to get healthy and figure out how to eat right for myself and all of that was that I didn't want to mess up my chance of having kids later in life. Mm. Periods deals with your hormones in your uterus, which is where all the baby things happen when you're pregnant and stuff. And I was like, if I ruin my chances of being a mom because I'm like trying to be thin right now and dealing with this body image you know, dysmorphia and obsession with food and stuff. No, it's not worth it. Like I need to figure out what it is. And then it took me two years to start to figure it out more. And even more so now I'm like actually good. And you have it consistently now. Yeah, I've had it back consistently for I think almost three years now. I remember when you first got it, you called me and you were so happy. Yeah, you were like, I just got my period. And I know how like upset and sad you were prior. And yeah, I I was so proud. I was so happy when I, I don't remember where I was, but it was after I had started um, eating like meat and fish again. Interesting. Literally, I think I told you this the first time I had just gotten back from tour and I was like, I think I need some salmon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Tutu bought salmon. My first bite, I literally felt color and blood rush to my cheeks again. Literally the second I like swallowed it. Wow. And then I was like, oh, I felt so good. I was yeah. like, wow. And I mean, there was no exact time I can say it was on this day I never had those thoughts again I never looked at my body in a certain way I never had a second thought about what I was eating it's just a process do you think you have to go through that process sometimes instead of just like starting out in the trenches and being like okay next day I'm better yes well there's pressure online because you see people post this is what helped me and it'll help you by tomorrow I would read a really inspiring quote and I was like this is when it's going to change like from here on out And then when it didn't, I was so disappointed in myself, you know, but there's pressure to see something, you know, you see someone's what I eat in a day, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. I don't love those, you know, you try to copy it to the T and you feel good for it. And then it's like, oh, that's not for my body. There's just a lot of pressure. It's been a long, I mean, years of processing that. It's a lot. Five to six years for you, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. I think that's such a testament to different things work for different people. You eating salmon, that works for your body. It made you feel good. And then you've met 
people who like projectile vomit when they eat meat yes <laughs> yeah no for sure i mean some people actually do thrive on a vegan right as far as i know i have friends that have been vegan for years and years and they're healthy and at a good weight and great it's just everyone's so different what does healthy mean to you now especially coming out of the other end of what you thought healthy was what does that look like these days? Healthy is having a knowledge of what's good for you, like science, you know, fruits and vegetables and like a little understanding unless you're very interested of why they're good for you. So having some sort of beyond a YouTube video or an Instagram post or a TikTok now, <laughs> having knowledge of why things are good for you, what certain things are. Honestly, I eat whatever I want. I'm a trainer. I'm very active. So I have a little more, honestly, just like more lenience with that because right. I am so active and I have an incredibly fast metabolism. So I'm not just going to throw that out of the equation. One of the best things that ever happened to me is when I moved into the apartment I'm in now and there was no full length mirror. Mm, Literally, interesting. One of the best things that ever happened for my body image was to not have that at home. Yeah. I'm still in a studio. Yeah, I was dancing and I was, I'm training in front of, a, you know, big mirrors all day. But not having that at home was a, I would say, pinnacle in my specifically body dysmorphia journey. Healthy means living life, being able to enjoy meals with family and friends, working out, working hard in a workout and training. Just eat. Let yourself eat. Have chips and stuff and just know what's good for you. It's trial and error. You kind of have to experiment with yourself like, okay, that was too much. I'm probably not going to do that again. Mm -hmm. I missed so many memories with family dinners and enjoying food and culture. Even just here, you know, not even traveling and times like holidays for years because I would only be eating you know for example like lettuce with no dressing and like a little chicken with the skin scraped off because right. god forbid i had a piece of skin i would gain 10 pounds which is what my mind thought but i missed out on so many fun things i was so obsessed when you just need to enjoy your freaking life most of the stuff you see you just have to figure it out for yourself mm -hmm. get off of instagram and stuff i also stopped i would obsessively watch what i eat in a day's i i can't even now i would say i'm like a hundred percent healed from mm -hmm the bad, bad stuff, I still get thoughts now and right. then. That's normal, you know. I can't watch what I eat in days. And you know your boundaries with that, which I yeah. think is so Boundaries, that's a good word. Yeah. That kind of leads me to this because I feel like sometimes fitness influencers give out health and eating and workout advice, and that advice may not always be backed up with knowledge and education what would you tell people to look out for when taking advice from people on social media it, it's hard because i see a variant because i did this too i would share workouts and nutrition advice when i wasn't certified and i was figuring it out myself so i think the majority of people have good intentions um it's just naive because they're still figuring it out too if you're really looking for advice look for people that have certifications nowadays just your bio is kind of literally what you're about so they should have some certifications in their bio or on their website they can cite their resources anytime you see anything even slightly restrictive or that you innately feel like a red flag pop up for yourself where you feel shame or guilt because you eat that and they just said not to shut it down unfollow or mute you know and i think people kind of know what they're talking about and if they're selling you their body no 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 no, no. that's not for me genuinely sharing why are you posting that you sh i don't know does that make sense i feel it like does. I'm, no it yeah. makes complete sense yeah. and i don't know i always direct people to look at your stuff Thanks. because you are 
educated. I don't know. You have so many different certifications. You have so much knowledge that's not backed up by your opinions. They're actual facts. That's a good point. Yeah. You know, there's science behind nutrition and calories and training, not just working out to look a certain way. And Right. How do you think someone can approach a healthy, balanced lifestyle for them when they're starting from square one? Experiment and figure it out and it takes a long time you have to be okay with that there's no quick find for this three steps no yeah yeah, there's no there's no three steps and i can't even tell you in one year you just figure it out because you evolve so much as a human especially when you're in your 20s like your your body's changing into like your more womanly figure I, i always called it woman weight like i'm getting some woman weight your body's changing and you're going through all these different things you just have to be flexible to adapt not stress or have too strict of a regime and just you have to experiment you know if you want to try oatmeal for a couple of weeks and then you're like oh it doesn't really make me feel good but eggs and bacon does great go with it but you have to be open to that also changing yeah you can't be too stuck in your mold even if it honestly really works for you in a positive healthy way right now because life is life and it's always ebbing and flowing you have to be okay with it changing next week and not freak out yeah every day moment to moment get opinions from doctors and people that are are certified and knowledgeable who actually want to help you be healthy and not just you know your dream body yeah Yeah. i I could not care less about a body you know training or eating to look a certain way that is so that's like shouldn't even exist to me it's just health and health and what feels good health is a lot more than what you eat and working out right i remember i've asked you this before and you were saying it's all-encompassing like who you have around you your environment and that's why healthy looks different for everybody correct if you have any insight on this how do you keep yourself from falling back into old eating habits that were such a big like defining part of who you were a few years ago for sure defined a big chunk uh not a big chunk but a substantial chunk of my life so far with how old i am (laughs) i know my boundaries like we mentioned with not um watching what i i can't i just can't watch what i eat in a days any people that post their bodies even if they're friends and they're posting like a mirror selfie with their shirt lifted up i can't look at that kind of stuff because it just affects me so knowing my boundaries i've allowed myself to go through so much trial and error so i know myself well enough that even when i'm with a group of friends who all get you know like the grain bowl which is mm. not something i'll get sometimes i'll get that too but i just know myself well enough like i actually need the truffle pizza today you know you just yes. have to try you just have to go through the process of trying because that's how you learn about yourself but it takes a long freaking time like that if there's anything that i feel like is now a theme in this episode is just that you have it takes time like years usually i'm surrounded by an incredible community of women at the limit with beth that just eat whatever they want and then work really hard not to offset each other it's it's a very you know healthy just normal relationship but we eat pizza all the time and get takeout and then train really hard and go on long runs and i'm just very grateful for the the women and the moms that set an amazing example that i like basically live my life with in new york right Mm -hmm. and again like your surroundings are so important i feel like i don't know even i don't really have those types of issues but sometimes i'll feel a certain type of way if i'm around a friend who's like examining a nutritional what are they called the nutrition thing on like a food i don't know why that triggers me and if you struggle with that if you feel like that affects you i don't know you're the most important person in your life and if you have to spend less time with 
people because it makes you feel not good. I think sometimes that's just what you have to do. I do this mental thing and obviously you can't see because this is a podcast, but I like swipe my hand. If I'm alone, I'll actually do it and say it. But sometimes if I'm in a group of people, it's like a mental thing. And I go, mm, boundary. Like, I'm not letting that affect me. And I just don't let it affect me. You know, if you like next to someone who's like, what's in that drink that you're drinking? You yeah. know? And honestly, but that stuff comes from their insecurity. Unless it's someone you trust who's like coming from a place of curiosity and learning. All that stuff, all of it, the pose, all of it, looking at the label, it comes from like a very deep insecurity. It's interesting because that used to affect me a lot more than it does now. But now I'm just like, I don't know. I I feel like it's definitely hard to hear other people's opinions on what you should eat. You got to listen to yourself. Listen to your body. Your body, Your body will tell you and your body needs to be able to trust you. Because at the end of the day, our physical body, it's like a vessel for survival. So when there's a threat to that survival, whether it be an income of intense stress hormones from freaking out about the way you look, because that stress hormones are real, that cortisol circulates through your body. So whether that comes in that form of stress or your body suddenly has a very severe, what's the word, like depletion in calories. The reason you're getting cravings for these things sometimes in big amounts is because your body's trying to like save you and keep you alive. And so for a long time, I didn't trust my body to give me the right cravings. The process was just literally giving in to everything so that my body could learn to trust me with each thing. And then I figured it out as to like what my everyday eating kind of looked like in general your body won't trust you you know to put the right things in your mouth but it takes time for that to happen i love hearing all of your advice on this because i get a lot of questions relating to eating disorders body dysmorphia i've only dealt a little bit with body stuff but it's never translated into any eating issues i don't know i've never felt like i can give advice on that so i love having you on for that reason because i know i have a lot of people listening people following me who are asking these questions so to those people listening who might struggle with body maybe it's eating do you have any advice for them and i know a lot of these girls are young or boys you know boys struggle with it too it's so hard being young and going through that if you have anything to say to them first and like most importantly you are not alone in this majority of women deal with this even though maybe you don't talk about it with your friends a lot of your friends probably deal with this the perfect quote-unquote people that you see on social media i promise you deal with this i know it's so hard And I know it's very sad, but you'll be okay. You just need to shut off all the outside voices and figure out how to eat for yourself. With experimenting and time, listening to your body's cravings, figuring out what cravings feel like, understanding when you listened and you felt great, when you didn't listen, and then you didn't feel great and you just need to figure it out for yourself. Don't be afraid to just get off not you don't have to like i can't tell you to get off social media completely because it's such a big part of your life unfreaking follow people that make you feel any way other than empowered for about who you are curate Honestly, it curate your feed that's yeah. good curate your feed i think it's ridiculous because you know some people give advice it's like delete social media no that's just not it's not realistic and that's okay but you need to then surround yourself in real life and in your virtual world with things that are actually inspiring to you. And it's funny, I only realized this fairly recently that a lot of the things that used to, the certain videos and people that I would follow that I thought were big inspirations and role models made me feel so crappy about myself. But I really did some internal reflection, but it was more of a surface like, wow, they're sharing their life and 
what helped them and blah, blah, blah. But it just made me feel bad about myself. I've muted, not unfollowed, <laughs> but like muted posts and stories from, from close friends that I just can't see because they just post certain things that affect me and I, you have to have boundaries. But right. you're not and alone. And it's not personal either. No, you have no, to do that. No, it's not. It feels personal when you're like pressing the unfollow or mute button, which is so weird that right. that's a thing. You still can love the person yeah. or respect them, whatever. I empathize with you because I know... There's really no words for how hard it is when you're going through it. Just try different things. Get out of the mirror. Oh my gosh, that mirror obsession is so hard. But you have to literally say no. Like I would verbally, whenever I would, because like one of my like little ticks was like lifting up my shirt to see if I could, what my stomach looked like. And even when I would go to grab my shirt to lift it up, I'd be like, no, you have to start shutting it down right away. And I always say this, but this kind of recovery is a discipline. It takes work. That's why, because your your mind is trained to do one thing and you're shutting that part of you off yeah yeah it takes work and yes it's being kind and gentle to yourself but you have to be disciplined in listening to your body let's say just because this is common you're craving a burger and fries great the second you get the thought that's like have broccoli you have to shut it down and talk to yourself i think it actually really helped me helps me on runs too not to just think my thoughts you know to myself but say no I'm going to have this and verbally say it. it sounds crazy, but it just, it helps to actually hear yourself say it. Overall, you're not alone. You're going to be okay. You just need to take the time and work to figure it out, make boundaries for yourself, listen to your body, like trust what you're craving. And I promise if you're craving ice cream every day, because this happened to me, I went through phases of craving things that I, I almost felt like, I forget who I was telling this to. I literally went through a phase of restricting like every single food on the planet. My recovery for me was almost going through and almost overeating each thing just so I knew that it was okay and I had the ability to do it. And then it evened out. I've had people express to me like, well, if I listen to my body, I'm only going to eat pizza all day every day. No, you will not. It might be a couple of days and you, then you'll, you'll, I promise it's right. not forever. Yeah. It's true because I'm someone who craves sweets all the time. And then it's funny because as soon as I crave sweets, my body, and this is not in a toxic way, but I'm like, ooh, I would want salad now, not to offset it in any way. But it's, I don't know, it's, I'm always someone who's like, if I intuitively eat, I'm only going to eat brownies and cookies, but your body truly does know and I'll start to crave other things, you know? Here's the thing with that, like with sugar, for example, because I experience this still, sometimes you really just need to eat the sugar. A, your body needs it for energy. B, you need it for yourself emotionally. And I'm not, I actually think emotional eating is fine. That just can't be the only thing you cope with. Mm. Like I love, sometimes after a hard day, I'm like brownies and cold milk, like Betty Crocker and cold milk. Betty Crocker. So, and it soothes me. It like calms me down, you know? So I, I think emotional eating is okay. It just can't, that can't be your main coping mechanism. If you continue to crave that all the time, you could be dehydrated. It could be other things that you're lacking in, but that's navigating and you have to figure it out through process if you were standing next to your 19 year old self looking in that mirror examining her body nitpicking if you could grab her shoulders and tell her something what would you tell her honestly i would just give her a hug and i'd be like it's okay yes you're gonna be okay it's gonna be hard honestly this is interesting actually I don't think I would give her advice because I had to go through that, but I would just tell her it's going to be okay. And I know 19 year old me or 18, whatever, wouldn't have believed me saying that. You'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to suffer for the rest of my life and I'm going to be miserable. I honestly wouldn't give myself advice on what not to do because I had to go through that to be where I am now. Right. I mean, it's crazy because I saw this thing and it was like, if you tell someone who's already comfortable and loves their body, your body is beautiful. They're going to be like, thank you. Yes, it is. But if you tell that to someone who's struggling with that, they're not going to believe you. 
because you have to go through the journey to get to the point where you believe it. Someone can't tell you something and have it all magically mm-hmm. be fixed. This is kind of funny because I fully expected this, like what we just talked about to be like 30 minutes of the episode. We are fully one hour in. So I hope you guys are staying hydrated, getting a snack because we're still going to keep chatting a little bit. I wanted to talk about your transition into what you're doing now because you had this childhood dream. We've talked about it. You've lived it out in a lot of ways. How has that been changing for you, especially, I don't know, just getting older and realizing that your passions and your dreams are changing? Tell us about that. It's so fascinating. It was even before COVID. I know a lot of people pivoted in the pandemic and tried to figure out other passions. At first, it was just a passion that I wanted to do for myself and share about. I think I just wanted to obviously start to help other people, other women. I started actually health. Remember when I was health coaching first? Yes. That's when you got certified in all these different things. My, the first thing. Yeah, my nutrition, integrative, holistic, whatever mm-hmm. was first. And I did that like right after tour. I just wanted a framework, you know, science based like framework for nutrition in general. And, you know, it went into other things, which I love that course. Highly recommend. It was very informative. And that just didn't work. And it just it shifted to fitness and I started to work out more consistently. Um, I was working for another fitness company that I had always taken class at living in New York and I loved the trainers there. During the pandemic, I came home and I was doing, that's when, you know, Zoom classes started. So I was training on Zoom and then I got my NASM CPT, which is a certified personal trainer from NASM, the National Academy of Sports Medicine, which sounds fancy, but that's just like the baseline of what all trainers should have. If you're getting advice from Instagram, please make sure your person's certified training anyway okay <laughs> we're like sorry no more of the 10 minute abs and you'll yeah, get it in a week no. tutorials canceled no sorry no, 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 no. i never i can't um, i guess how my dreams have shifted kind of jumping forward I love performing so much and that was such a big part of my life and I really never ever thought I could love or do anything else but I love to train myself and I love to train other people. I only train women at at the moment. I would train guys too but what's been inspiring for me so I started after working for the other company once I came back to New York I started working at The Limit which is a new company started by one of my best friends Beth Nicely. What like really ignited my passion to like train as a career now is the women that I work with at The Limit. These moms, Ava, I'm so inspired by the moms that, you know, the kids are running around on the back of the screen or maybe they have this one hour chunk of time and they're exhausted, they didn't sleep, but they're like, I need to train. And they work hard. Like I make them do you know, depending on if they're actually like exhausted, I won't, you know, you, it depends on the session right. and the person. But I'm just surrounded by women that don't make excuses and love to work hard, not for the body, not for anything else other than that. They just, they know it makes them better physically and mentally. And that's like cracked me. When I see people working hard, that's like my, um, my stuff that makes me like, let's go. Your kryptonite. Yes. How have you been okay with your dreams shifting? I know we were talking about this mm-hmm. a few days ago, but it can be hard when something you've dreamed about since you were three starts to change. Now, speaking to you as a 24-year-old, obviously your visions for the rest of your life have shifted. What do you think is next for you? Do you still want to pursue being on Broadway? Because that initially was like the dream. Yeah, so it's interesting and I'm still working it out, but this is like the first time I'm talking about it 
you know, to, I guess, the general public and anyone other than you or like Cody and mom and stuff. Honestly, I'm transitioning out of theater. I still love it, but my priorities are different and my, my passions are different, Like right? Like my passion now is to, to train and to be a personal trainer. I teach group classes as well with The Limit. And it's not a lack of love, but my priorities are different. Like I want stability. I don't want the instability of not knowing when my next job is coming. You know, honestly, for me, the lifestyle of a performer doesn't naturally suit me. Performing late at night and not getting home till 11, 11.30, like I would much rather now spend time with my like husband. Even before- Husband. <laughs> husband. Ah! Even before we were married, I so highly value the time that we spend together at night, just eating dinner, watching, I don't know, Seinfeld or whatever on on the TV. I- not I grew out of it because people have beautiful careers their entire lives in the theater. Yeah, I grew out of it. It's just not, that was a part of my life. You know, there are still things that I would go in for or do if they came up. I'm not just Xing it out of my life and completely doing a 180 from that to training. Like I'm still open to it. But in general, I just, I really want to focus on um, bettering my own education with training, training more women and getting more experience and meeting more people and getting smarter and learning more about our incredible bodies and stuff. I love that you're okay with your passions changing because I don't know, I feel like well, well, little Kayla would have seen that as a failure. I would say most young people in the arts feel that if you start to love anything else, you're like cheating on on that art, on whatever art form. I almost feel like I couldn't have another passion or else I wouldn't be just like laser in focused on booking my next show. But that's very unhealthy. And then as we saw in the pandemic, that's a problem. You need something else. Mm. Another path. You don't have to pursue it right away. Like pour yourself into auditions and go nuts and audition, audition, audition and get yourself out there and take class and blah, blah, blah. Have something else that you love and like do on the side. Just it's that's that's the healthiest advice I could give. I feel like a situation that a lot of people might relate to a little bit more than yours, but it's pretty parallel is wanting to switch majors when they fall out of love with mm, the one mm-hmm. that they're in. And I know it's so hard because you spend all this time studying for something. And if you have this random urge, this like burning inside of you to switch, it's okay to switch. What I tell people, I obviously haven't personally gone through this because I'm not in a degree right now, but life is going to pass either way. Say you switch a major, you're three years in. You know, if you're like, I don't want to spend an extra four years in school, those four years are going to go by either way. I think you need to follow your passions because if you were staying in theater right now, you wouldn't feel fulfilled, you know? I think especially in your 20s, everything feels like this is it. Okay, I'm majoring in exercise science because that's what I always said I was going to major in. That is my passion, but I'm kind of interested in majoring in engineering. It feels like you're cheating on a relationship because you've you've told everyone that this and you've is what committed. you're and you've committed yourself and your your money, probably your parents' money for school, scholarship money, all that kind of loans and stuff, whatever your situation is. And it really feels like you're you're cheating on what you're doing because t- everything, even in high school, just when you're young, feels like permanent. Permanent. And this moment is the moment that will last forever. But as you get older, you look back and you're like, life has a way of just bringing things about and it's all God's plan. And if you want to change majors, just try it. Try. It's okay. And if, if you fail and it's not your thing, go back to the other one. Or It's okay. You're living your life. Figure it out. It's okay. One thing Auntie Apple said in her speech at our, my wedding was just be curious. She had an awesome speech, but that little phrase, she was like, always be curious. 
that's yeah stuck with that's you, huh? period yeah <laughs> yeah you literally carried this episode yeah. i just i hope to anyone listening that this resonated with you i feel like i don't know kayla's just one of the most knowledgeable people that i know and she's not afraid to tell her story and give her peace on things which i love and admire so much if you liked having kayla on let us know and we'll do a more like fun sister podcast episode next time this is but so fun it is so fun yeah. i'm like i'm having a blast Same. please shout yourself out mm. let's get kayla to one million oh i'm just kidding gosh. i'm not even <laughs> <laughs> anyway. um my instagram is kayla jewels underscore like literally the same as ava's i'm a trainer at the limit in new york city and i do privates and we have awesome like crazy fun challenging group classes i'm a runner so you'll probably see me running in She's central park stuff <laughs> i just have instagram i don't have anything else so that's the best way to kind of i guess stay in touch with what i'm doing <laughs> you know what i was thinking about randomly in the middle of this episode but you were like going off on a really good subject but i didn't want to like blurt out and say it i was thinking about how i have known you my whole life but you haven't known me your whole life isn't that weird it is weird mm. i'm like now i'm uncomfortable thanks for chatting with me yes this Ava, is so i adore good. you oh. i love you so much i'm like only recently because she hated know. me during my justin bieber phase you know also older siblings can relate you just think the other one's a little annoying m- annoying mosquito that's always trying to like peck at you but um oh <laughs> I love you. Anyway, that was Kayla sharing all of her thoughts today. Thanks Thanks for for listening listening to Everything on on My Mind. Mind.